This is Dare Hallmark. Each week, I'll bring you reviews of your favorite Hallmark movies and TV shows. So grab a drink and let's see what we're getting into with this episode. Hello, my friends. It's Wednesday at the Shores. My name is Dara, and I am your host for Dear Hallmark. This is a space where we are going to talk about Hallmark Channel movies, TV shows, and some stuff from some other networks like your GAC and your Up TV. And who who else knows what's going to pop up in the in the pipeline? Who knows? But today we are focusing on Chesapeake Shores. We are in season five. We are covering episodes three and four today, my friends. And this is the week where we are introduced <laughs> to eccentric billionaire Evan Kincaid, played by Robert Buckley. He does seem like he's a, a few fries short of a happy meal. You know what I mean? Like the mall is open, but ain't nobody shopping. You know what I'm saying? He seems a little left of center, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> He adds such a, a lightheartedness to the um, to the show, which in the in episode three, normally I feel like Jess and David or Kevin and Sarah gives us that lighthearted feel. But Jess and David, they were in episode three. Um, and so meeting Evan Kincaid and he is this developer that we've heard mentioned in episodes one and two that dad and Abby are going to be working with trying to convince him to continue to build his hotel at Chesapeake Shores. And so he they have a FaceTime and he's just like, you know what, I'll just pop by like, you know, whatever. I'll just pop by Chesapeake Shores. And so he ends up popping by. He comes at all random times. Like, there's nothing scheduled. He literally just, it's like, it's his world and you're living in it. But in not in, in like a narcissistic way. I don't know. Like, he just comes off like, he needs a friend. <laughs> I feel like he needs a friend. And I'm hoping he'll find that in Abby. Because in episode four, you can see that there's something that is beginning, like there's a foundation beginning to be laid. Oh, no, episode three. There's a foundation beginning to be laid. Because after they, you know, spend time together and he decides that he's going to continue to build his his hotel or he's going to build his hotel at Chesapeake Shores, he says he wants Abby as point person on the project. And she said, well, no, normally dad, like he's the one that runs point on the construction. I'm just more so new business, blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, you know, I want you as point because you don't like me. Like you, I know you're not going to say stuff just to butter me up or just like, I don't need yes men. I need people who are going to tell me the truth and are not, like impressed with me in a way which does make sense and I think everyone needs those type of people around them like people who are able to look at them objectively and not be concerned about their fanfare or money or whatever and to really just tell them the truth about certain situations so seeing Abby and they remind me of like another brother and sister do like I they 
at least to me, they get on like brother and sister because of how much they don't like each other and how annoying Evan is. Like in season, I mean, episode four, we can truly see how annoying he is. He doesn't say goodbye. Like when he hangs up, he'll just say a sentence and then click. Like it just hang up the phone almost in the middle of a conversation. And Abby's looking at it like, what? Like, <laughs> I I am going to have so much fun with Evan through this season. I can already tell. I can already tell. I can tell he's going to be a pain in the neck for Abby. And I'm really, really excited to see what it's going to look like. If I'm not I don't know if Evan's going to be in season six. I don't know how season five well, we'll see how season five ends to know. But um that's kind of where we are with our older sister Abby and uh with this new character that we've been introduced, Mr. Evan Kincaid. Speaking of Abby, though, there is Jay. Uh, there is a moment in episode, I believe it's episode four, where Jess, yes, because Jess is in this one, and she's talking about uh, um, deciding between a cake or cupcakes for the wedding, because David's going to be making it. David wants cupcakes, but she just wants a traditional wedding cake or whatever. Um, and so Jess asks Abby, are you going to be bringing a plus one to the wedding? And Abby's like, what are you talking about? Like, who? And Jess is saying, well, Jay, obviously, which I thought, you know, I thought they were getting on pretty well. So I'm surprised that Abby, I mean, I know she does want to take it slow, but I thought they were getting on pretty well. There's this beautiful scene where Jay bumps into Abby right outside of Sally's and she's super frustrated. And so he takes both of her hands and he's like, just close your eyes, count to five, and then kind of forces her to be present in the moment. He asks her, what do you see? What, where are you? What do you smell? And she just kind of takes a deep inhale, exhale, and kind of, you know, relates to him, her surroundings. And it does make her feel better. Like, he's so caring and kind. Like, how could you not like the dude, you know? So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how their relationship will evolve in this season. Uh, so let's move on to Jess. Our sister who's planning her wedding, something that we're finding, um, like I said, it's the cake versus cupcakes, but also she's trying to pick a maid of honor, picking between Abby and Brie. At first, she wanted to pick both, but then she's like, no, that's going to make me seem undecided. And so she's kind of trying to, to decide who to pick as her maid of honor. And then from a like from a couple standpoint, her and David, they're hosting this group of tourists who are hunting for this mythical monster that is said to be at Chesapeake Shores called the Snallygaster. And so they've made specific Snally snacks. And um, Jess and David have this cute moment of um, her saying, you know, I, I don't want you to just not believe in the Snallygaster and think it's stupid and blah, blah, blah. And ugh, they're just so cute. Like, I can't take it. <laughs> They're just extremely adorable, and I appreciate their relationship so much. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be saying this every week, but I just appreciate their relationship so much. Oh, and there was this hilarious scene in, in episode four where an owl um, flew over, like, really close over David's head, and 
He screams like a girl. Like, if you can think of Shia LaBeouf and even Stevens and how squealy his scream was, that was what, that's what I was reminded of when I heard David scream when the owl flew over him. He thought it was something. And he crouched down and covered his head. Oh, that was so funny. So, let's go on to our older brother, Kevin. Um, Him and Sarah, you know, they're just getting on at the firehouse. And they're starting to notice something about their captain. Their captain is, they're training for this triathlon that we don't actually get to see. Um, It's just kind of understood that it happens. But the captain begins to call Kevin Carl. And Kevin's like, my name's Kevin, sir. He was like, oh, yeah, slip up, whatever. And so on top of that, Kevin comes into his office to talk to him about something. And the the captain, uh, he's looking for his keys. And as he's looking for his keys, he asks Kevin to get him an iced tea out of the freeze out of the fridge. And lo and behold, his keys were in the fridge. Oh, you guys, I feel like we're this is going to be um, early onset either dementia or Alzheimer's like oh it's oh man this I feel like this is going to be a moment and with Kevin there was something that I forgot to mention in the storyline from last week that has been carried over into the this week with these two episodes while Kevin was getting gas which by the way can I just comment how realistic that was like I just appreciate in this instance with Chesapeake Shores, I do appreciate like the fact that I saw that it was actually smart water. Like it was actually um, a gas station. Like I just thought that that was really cool. But in any event, Kevin is in the gas station getting some water and wanting to put money on the pump or whatever. And the the cashier is someone that he recognizes from high school. But the dude just doesn't want anything to do with Kevin. His name is Luke. I forget his last name. But this guy, the guy Luke, he's played by Stephen Huzar, who we've seen. He's been in a host of up TV movies, Hallmark movies. Um, He was also in the Ruby Herring mystery series. He played the detective in that one. Um, So he plays this character named Luke, who seems to be down on his luck because Kevin catches him, you know, doing some things. And we also see when Bree was donating a lot of her clothes um in the big donation bin she then um reunites with him and she's like oh yeah luke i remember you first of all i think something's about to pop off with them i could totally see the sparks from jump street but when she left i saw him going in the donation bin i was like oh snap he's probably living out of his car like he he doesn't you know he's just kind of down and out and then kevin tells him about a job that may be opening with dad because dad is restoring and reopening the bridge because it was closed down for a moment after trace left and so dad decided to reopen it and luke is there as bartender that's what brings us into episodes three and four and then what we find out is that he did get into some trouble back in the day um because of just all of this the trauma and pain he went through with his parents he began drinking got into a fight someone got injured extremely bad in that fight which gave him some years in prison costed him some years in prison so now was that he's out trying to find a job um and so that's what lands him at the bridge so i'm i i definitely think we're seeing more of him and he's had like he even has his own scenes i think he's going to be in another love interest not another but i think he's going to be a love interest for brie even though 
with perfect segue with Brie, we're seeing her in this teacher trying to acclimate herself to be a teacher with the guy jerome i don't see anything going on between them i personally don't um but she's just continuing to to get her feet wet with being a professor and teaching at the university so we don't get much from her um but we gotta get i feel like connor's going to be the focus of this season because our guy is killing it in the courtroom okay he's killing it in the courtroom so his lovely i forget her name and i'm so upset is her name danielle oh gosh i'm so upset his paralegal this gorgeous black woman with gorgeous hair who is just a ray of sunshine i love how you can tell she is her allegiances to him she looks out for him so remember last week when i said oh i can't wait for connor to find out that you know to confront them and find out that dilfer is a client so he does that it was a little less sparky than i thought it was going to be which i was like okay dar stop trying to you know incite drama <laughs> so he finds out he confronts um his immediate who is the what's that oh what's her name she's been in a host of other things as well but he confronts her about it and First of all, she got persnickety with him. She said, and your point, there's 150 lawyers at this firm. And do you think there will never be a, contra- a conflict of interest at any point? Like she came guns blazing. She knew exactly what, what she was doing. And so that's why she got on the defense. Um, and so he was like, all right, all right, fine, fine then. All right, fine. Just make sure I have nothing to do with it. I don't want. And what I loved is that Connor came forward telling the family that, like having that out in the open already so it's not a, this big secret and then they don't they misunderstand that connor is against the family or anything like that i liked how they didn't go that route so he told abby and abby was completely understanding she was like you know i mean imagine how many just basically reiterating what her boss said um but making it personal which she was like you know i can imagine the amount of times that my when i used to work at the finance the capital management how many times there were a conflict of interest for for those people who worked in that company so i can imagine and he mentioned how they said you know there was going to be a firewall around him they were going to protect him but guess what these snakes did these so the one of the partners i'm guessing he's a managing partner um and his immediate supervisor they were like cocktails my my office 6 p.m no excuses no exceptions so they're in this office kiki and you know trying to butter connor up and then they get to asking him questions about his dad and of course he says i'm not i'm not comfortable with this conversation and that is you can tell at that point he's like he finds out that they're trying to get to him for their case for the deal for case and he says, and his the partner says, well, if your dad is innocent, then what is it you got to be scared of? Like, why can't you have a conversation with us? And it's, I'm so glad he, he still didn't. And we there's a scene in the office where Danielle comes in. Um, she was like, so you don't have a key for your cabinet or for your desk? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, I need to, you know, make sure I get a key or something like that. And she says, well, you know, keys can also be copied, too. And she's like, well, he said, well, what are you saying? She said, make sure you don't leave any documents that are really important to you. 
and like she was basically insinuating that they can come into your office and they will try to use anything that they can against you for this case and try to take stuff from you which I again I love that she's looking out for him but throughout episode four he you 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 see this little little thing of paranoia begin to take place he's like I wanted to have he talks to Abby about it because he's like instead of calling you I wanted to um talk to you in person because I think some people could be spying on me or whatever so I fam I'm here for it and there is one there's one critical scene because Abby needs help finding an original deed for a client and so Connor is helping her they're in this file room and what do they end up finding but the original contracts that Dilfer and supposedly <clears throat> excuse me supposedly dad signed however they realized that the date in which supposedly dad signed it they were actually on vacation they found proof through a family photo album that dad was on vacation the day that apparently he signed that contract which proves that Dilfer actually forged dad's signature which could clear dad of the case so I'm really excited to get into next week's episodes um, and find out how all this information is going to come to light because I need Dilfer to get smacked in the face I'm still upset at the way he came at dad while he was out with mom just on some like get away from me nobody nobody sent for you nobody called for you go home Roger like go home (laughs) I was so oh gosh I hope he gets read the riot act but oh and a little bit about mom I should add mom found this painting at an antique shop and she's trying to track down this off this uh, artist and painter who he's hilarious even though he's being incredibly rude I should say he's being incredibly rude but she wants to revitalize his his um, artist career in a way his painting career because she truly values him as an artist but he's probably hurt in some way um, when it comes to his art, because artists are mad sensitive, and I can under I can understand why. A, a quick sidebar: I got my master's in interior architecture, and during my studies, we had to give presentations, and so we had to basically presenting our art to people. And when I tell you, it was as if we were going against the, like going up to a firing squad these people were bent on ripping your confidence and they would say some of the most traumatic things and I mean professors people who are supposed to be there for your learning for your progression for your improvement said some of the most hurtful things and it it racked me so hard y'all I graduated grad school in 2015 so for five like I literally I had a thought and I was of the mindset that I was no good because of how often I heard it from my professors even though I still graduated even though I still passed even so even though I still received the degree I it was so ingrained because of how much I heard it that I wasn't good enough so I believed it and for five years I just didn't I literally avoided anything that had to do with design I didn't I no longer subscribe to magazines I no longer watched tv shows I no longer watched youtube videos I just stayed as far away as I could from interior design and interior architecture and just dove headfirst into podcasting and writing and reading but it wasn't until 2020 when um some old friends they bought a new house and they they knew, you know, that I had this background and 
they pushed me they 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 said nope come on you're you're we they asked me my opinions and thoughts about different rooms in the house and so it was really they were my guinea pig interior design client I went in I took measurements I did sketches I went with them to the paint store picked out helped them picked out tile like it was a whole process it was a moment now mind you even though I haven't done anything like that since but it was just taking that step that reminded me like no that there is a reason why I went to interior architecture school in the first place there is a reason why I'm doing this and I say all that to say I'm wondering what is the hurt behind our artist his name is Arthur Driscoll I believe like who said something to him who hurt his confidence who died who passed away is his motivation sapped I'm that that's something I'm interested in as someone who can relate in in that regard so well you guys that's going to conclude our episode of um Chesapeake Shores of recapping season five, episode three and four of Chesapeake Shores. I look forward to talking with you more next week for episodes five and six. And if you want to learn more, like if you're wanting to watch Chesapeake Shores and you haven't watched it yet and you're listening to the recaps, it's on either Friendly TV. Um, which is a dope streaming app. I suggest you, that's how I watch my Hallmark channel and my Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. It's The whole series is on Friendly. Also, it's on Hallmark Movies Now. So if you don't have Hallmark Movies Now, you can for sure do that. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow Dear Hallmark on Instagram. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow when we discuss Always Amore. Ciao, my friends.